no matter what, you can't give up. Troubles, trials, tribulations, suffering, sorrow, they come to everyone at some point in time um, in their life. But as a born again child of God, God is on your side. And I'm telling you right here and right now, you are going to make it. So no matter what, you can't give up. Hey, welcome back to Kingdom Increase with Amanda Hall. I'm Amanda Hall, wife to Rodney, mom to Cecily, and pastor at Kingdom Increase Church in Jerseyville, Illinois. Well, did y'all miss me on Monday? Sorry, I didn't get a podcast dropped on Monday. It was a full day that started super early, and I didn't even get home till 8 o'clock that night. And so I just was like, well, that's not going to happen. But I'm back with you, and I'm excited to hit life's issues from heaven's perspective today. Amen. No matter what, you can't give up. And let me tell you why. And let me tell you how. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you, Lord, for what we're going to uh, hear today. And as we hear, I thank you that you're going to grant to us a spirit of wisdom and revelation that you're going to flood our hearts with light so we can know and understand so that our faith will rise and we know that we can trust you because you are faithful and true. And so that we have the weapons sharpened so that we can use them effectively against every tactic of the enemy as we continue where we are knowing, Lord God, that you cannot and you will not fail us. We give you glory for your word. And I thank you even today, as your word comes forth, you're going to transform us by your spirit in Jesus name. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm even in a place right now in life where I've been asking God for a few years, uh, how come things aren't really changing? Um, much? How come things aren't really moving like I think they should? How come things don't look like what you've said? And, you know, let, let me just say this from the beginning. Because I have wasted far too much time beating myself up, thinking I wasn't doing enough. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not good enough. Um, God must be mad at me or this or that or whatever else. Let me, let me just tell you this. You, if that's you and if that's what you're doing, you have to stop. I decided and made up my mind I was going to choose to be happy. And I made a commitment and have been obedient to do what the Lord had told me to do. And I needed to get my heart right that I was willing. What do I mean by that? It's not that I wasn't doing it, but just because you're obedient doesn't mean you're willing. Doesn't mean that your heart right. Doesn't mean that you, that you're that you're serving Him with joy. And so this is an important thing because life can get get tough at times, you know. And the Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs, hope deferred makes a heart sick. And sometimes we get heart sick because we expected things to unfold before now. We expected things to come about before now. And so I'm just going to lay some things out here today that I really, really want to encourage you. But I need to qualify this statement with, with this, okay? I'm speaking to you that are sold out to Jesus, all right? As a born-again child of God that is not deliberately, willingly living a life of sin. You're not doing what the Word of God tells you you should not be doing. You are doing what the Word of God tells you you should be doing. Are you perfect? Not yet. But your eyes are on the one who is perfect. His name is Jesus. And you are allowing him to transform you and change you. You might fall down and you might sin on occasion, but you're not living a life of sin. I'm talking to you. And if you are someone who is living a life of sin right now, deliberately, on purpose, willingly doing what the Bible says is sin, then you must repent right now. 
Otherwise, this is not, you don't qualify for what I'm about to say. I'm talking to people whose lives are in the hand of the Lord, who have committed themselves to God, who are seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness and trusting, having a living relationship with the Lord. Amen. Because that's the whole thing. It just, for far too long, the enemy has accused me over and over and over um, of just not doing enough. And I'm like, how much more can I do? You know, I'm committed to the Lord. I'm doing what I know to do, what I know he's told me to do. I'm in the word daily and not just a little word. I'm praying daily, you know, set aside time to pray as well as just talking to the Lord throughout the day in every situation, every circumstance. And just because I want to talk to him, right? I'm listening. I'm reading, um, not just the word, but I'm reading anointed books, uh, by anointed men and women of God. I'm listening to the preaching and teaching of the word of God. That's solid biblical, uh, base doctrine, um, a word of faith, you know, just, you know, challenge me, but also charging me and encouraging me. You know, I'm doing what the Lord says. I'm, I'm in church, you know, church is a priority. Yes, I'm a pastor, but I'm just saying like, I'm a tither. I'm a giver. I'm doing everything the Lord tells me to do and everything he's told me to do. And I haven't backed away from that. So can I just tell you, if that is you, if you're following the word and you have a living relationship with the Lord, then I'm telling you, this word is for you today. You may be someplace feeling like it's never going to change. Is this all life has to offer for me? Am I ever going to see what God has spoken to me come to pass or whatever? I want to encourage you today. And this word is for you. Amen. Because, and look, and this is nothing intentional because here, here's the thing. Like I said, the enemy is far too long accused me, but how he's accused me of not doing enough is putting me in a place of comparison where I, as I see other people doing what I'm called to do and they seem to be having great success. And I, from my perspective, am not having success. And from other people's perspective, if you look from the outside would say that I'm not having success either. That is how when I, you know, and that is not their fault. That is my fault for allowing the enemy to lie like that. When you know you are living out the word of God, my faith is active, right? We live by faith. We're saved by faith, (laughs) right? We live by faith. We walk by faith. We fight the good fight of faith. Come on now. And we have victory by faith. What is this victory that overcomes the world? But even our faith, amen. And when you're living an active life of faith, all right, then you can be sure as it, when you're following, not only what the word of God says, but what, doing what God's told you to do, then there's a reality to this. No matter what, you can't give up. No matter what, you can't give up. Because the only way, if you're that person, Again, I'm not saying you're perfect. I am not perfect. I, the, the closer I get to the Lord, the more I realize how much I'm not perfect. But I don't, I don't live my life sin-focused. I don't live my life lack-focused. I don't live my life um, focused on uh, what I can't do or what I'm not good at. I live my life focused on Him, Right? And so you have to take your eyes off of you, set your eyes on Jesus and remain steadfast in what you know you are to be doing. Amen. So no matter what, no matter what, it may look like total defeat. No matter what, you can't give up. No matter what. It may look like nothing is ever going to change and you've been in this for far too many years. I'm telling you, no matter what, you can't give up. No matter what, when it looks like everyone around you is being promoted and you feel like you've done everything you can do and there's nothing else you can do, I'm telling you, no matter what, you can't give up. No matter what, 
when it looks like everything opposite of what the word of God says concerning you, what Jesus bought and paid for, for you on the cross and everything in your life looks opposite of that. I'm telling you, no matter what, you can't give up. And no matter what anybody else says, you must exalt God's word and God's promise over your life higher than what anybody else says. So no matter what, you can't give up. So let me tell you why. Number one, God chose you. Let me tell you why you can't give up. Number one, God chose you. John 15 verse 16, you have not chosen me. This is Jesus speaking, but I have chosen you and I have appointed you. I have planted you that you might go and bear fruit and keep on bearing and that your fruit may be lasting, that it may remain and abide so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. So number one reason why you can't give up is because God chose you. God chose you. If God chose you, then he thinks you're pretty dang special. Amen. <laughs> Number two goes along right with that. Your purpose matters. It says in that verse, he says, not only have I chosen you, but I've appointed you and planted you that you might go and bear lasting fruit, remaining, abiding fruit. So not only did God choose you, but your purpose matters and it matters for eternity, right? Number one, why you can't give up. God shows you. Number two, your purpose matters. He's appointed you, meaning he's planted you to produce and keep on producing, to bear and keep on bearing fruit that will be eternal, that will be lasting, that will remain, that will abide forever. So your purpose matters and it matters for eternity. Amen. Number three reason why you can't give up. Your yes matters. Your yes matters. Second Corinthians chapter one. Verses 18 through 22. As surely as God is trustworthy and faithful and means what he says, our speech and message to you have not been yes, that might mean no. For the Son of God, Christ Jesus, who has been preached among you by us, by myself, Silvanus, and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it is always the divine yes. For as many as are the promises of God, they all find their yes, or they all find their answer in Christ. For this reason, we also utter the amen, or so be it, or our yes to God through Christ to the glory of God. But it is God who confirms and makes us steadfast and establishes us with you in Christ and has consecrated and anointed us. He has put his seal upon us, giving us his Holy Spirit in our hearts as security deposit and guarantee of the fulfillment of his promise. Amen. So God has promised, right? All of God's promises are yes and amen. The amen is our yes. God promised, but your yes is what is going to make it manifest in your life. You've got to be willing when you've done all the crisis has demanded. It says in Ephesians chapter six, let me get there real quick. When you've done all the crisis has demanded, when you've done all the circumstance has demanded, when you've done everything, the, the situation has demanded, when you are, are standing on the word of God, when you've done all, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Having done all the crisis demands to stand firmly in your place. Your yes matters. 
And if you're going to stand and you're going to give a yes, then that means you're going to stand no matter how long it takes. So no matter what, you can't give up. Your yes matters. Your yes is what will make it manifest in your life. So number one, why you can't give up, God chose you. Number two, your purpose matters and it matters for eternity. And number three, your yes matters. And again, that yes means I'm going to stand and I'm going to keep on standing. Amen. Hallelujah. Number four, you are not a quitter. Come on. You are not a quitter. I told you I was going to encourage you today. You are not a quitter. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 through 39. Do not therefore fling away your fearless confidence, for it carries a great and glorious compensation of reward. For you have need of steadfast patience and endurance, so that you may perform and fully accomplish the will of God and thus receive and carry away and enjoy to the full what is promised. For still a little while, and the coming one will come, and he will not delay. But the just shall live by faith. And if he draws back and shrinks in fear, my soul has no delight or pleasure in him. But our way is not of those who draw back to eternal misery or are utterly destroyed, but we are of those who believe and by faith preserve the soul. So not only has God chosen you, not only does your purpose matter and it matters for eternity, and not only does your yes matter, but you are not a quitter, but our way is not of those who draw back. No, our way is the way of faith. We say yes, and we're going to stand no matter what and no matter how long it takes. Come on now. Come on. I'm encouraging you today. No matter what, you can't give up. And the final one on why you can't give up is well, you're going to see a really weird transition there because I recorded another 20 minutes and for whatever reason, my app freaked out on me and you totally lost it and it was awesome. So I'm going to try it again, but God knows I can't do the same thing twice. Amen. I try, but I can't do it. So you want to talk about no matter what you can't give up. I ain't given up on this and I'm not counting those 20 minutes as lost just because this stupid app messed it up. Amen. So the final reason why you can't give up is that God is for you. Romans chapter eight. Romans chapter 8, verses 31 and 32. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? God is for us. He is for you. It doesn't matter who's against you. It doesn't matter what other people say about you. It doesn't matter what circumstances are stacked against you. It doesn't matter what obstacles stand in your way. It doesn't matter how long you've been standing. The fact remains, you're still standing in faith and God is for you. So five reasons why, no matter what, you can't give up. God chose you. Number two, your purpose matters and it matters for eternity. Number three, your yes matters. God promised, but it is your yes that will make it manifest in your life. Number four, you are not a quitter. And number five, God is for you. Therefore, that means you cannot fail because God can't fail. And if you'll just follow him and remain steadfast in faith, come on now. Hallelujah. God is for you. So how? I said, no matter what, you can't give up. Let me tell you why. I've given you five reasons why. Now let me give you six reasons, or I wouldn't say reasons, six uh, things on how. 
how you're not going to give up no matter what. And ultimately, all these boil down. I just read it a while ago in that Hebrews passage. The just shall live by faith. All of these are expressions of active faith. Remember, James tells us faith without works is dead. And so your faith has to be alive. It has to be working. You have to be working. And we read in the Hebrews 10 passage just a while ago about this. So the number one thing that's going to keep you standing and not giving up, no matter what, not giving up, number one is steadfast patience and endurance. It's what we read in Hebrews 10, 35 and 36. Do not, therefore, fling away your fearless confidence, for it carries a great and glorious compensation of reward. For you have need of steadfast patience and endurance, so that you may perform and fully accomplish the will of God, and thus receive and carry away and enjoy to the full what is promised. Everybody say right where you are out loud, I have need of steadfast patience and endurance. Come on, say it again. I have need of steadfast patience and endurance. And how is that going to happen? This happens when you work in cooperation with the Holy Spirit. Because Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22 tells us that the fruit of the Spirit, which is his work on the inside of each of us, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. That means steadfastness, forbearance, endurance. So as you work in cooperation with the Holy Spirit, you'll be able to walk in steadfast patience and endurance. And your willingness to wait and wait well with steadfast patience proves your faith by anchoring your hope. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 6. Verses 13 through 20. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 13 through 20. For example, there was God's promise to Abraham. Since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own name, saying, I will certainly bless you, and I will multiply your descendants beyond number. Then Abraham waited patiently, and he received what God had promised. Now, when people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without any question, that oath is binding. God also bound himself with an oath so that those who receive the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Let me read that again. So this is verse 18 of Hebrews 6. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. Jesus has already gone in there for us. He has become our eternal priest in the order of Melchizedek. So steadfast patience and endurance. We're going to hold on no matter what. You are not going to give up. And your willingness to wait well with steadfast patience proves your faith by anchoring your hope. Now, this example that the word gives us here is Abraham. Now, I want you to consider it was 25 years from the time God gave Abraham the promise to be the father of many nations, before he had his son Isaac. God promised, look, if you'll leave your father and your family and everything you know and go to a land that I'm going to show you, then I will bless you and I will make you a blessing and I will make your name great. Amen. And so 
What did Abraham do? He set out immediately. So God began to bless him. So along the way, waiting well doesn't mean we're sitting on our bum twiddling our thumbs. Waiting well means we're walking in obedience to what God has said. First of all, to what is written in his word. You can't disregard what is written in his word. Anything that God has specifically promised you and specifically told you, about yourself, about what belongs to you, and about what you're supposed to be doing will never be in contradiction to what the written word of God already tells you you must be doing. So when we are walking in obedience to God and what God tells us to do, then God will begin to unfold blessings in our life. Abraham stepped out and began to see the hand of God in his life. But it was 25 years before he saw what he really wanted, which was a son. Amen? Come on now. He was moving, following God, doing what God told him to do. And he stayed and remained steadfast. Says, then Abraham waited patiently and he received what God had promised. Again, waiting patiently doesn't mean you're sitting on your bum doing nothing. How about Joseph? God gives Joseph two dreams, which basically mean the same thing. He was confirming it. The next, next thing, you know, Joseph is human trafficked by his own brothers and then sold as a slave as a result of that. And then he ends up in prison for something he didn't even do. Now, I don't think that God's intention for Joseph was ever to be human trafficked. And I don't believe... I don't care what anybody says, that it was God's intention for Joseph to go to prison for something he did not do. But those years were not wasted, right? They were not wasted. It's clear in that whole, that was 13 years that Joseph endured ill treatment and really tough circumstances and situations. But God was with him. And in all of that, Joseph always rose to the top because God was with him and it was evident that God was with him because everything his hand touched, prospered and was blessed. Amen. So it was 13 years from the time God gave Joseph the dreams till he actually took his place as second command in Egypt. But that still wasn't the fulfillment of the dreams. That just positioned him to see the fulfillment of his dreams. You're talking another seven years of prosperous times, where crops flourished and Joseph was able to set aside and store away according to the instruction of God. And then you're in then a few years into the famine before Isaac sends his sons to get grain in Egypt. So you're talking over 20 years from the time that Joseph got his dreams from God till he actually saw them fulfilled. What about David? David gets anointed as a young boy to be king, but Saul is already king of Israel. It was, they say, roughly 15 to 17 years before he actually became king. Was David sitting on his bum twiddling his thumbs that whole time? Absolutely not. He was tending to his father's sheep. Then he went and defeated Goliath. Then he began to become a mighty warrior that people sung about everywhere, served King Saul, and then endured years of King Saul chasing him down, trying to murder him for no other reason than that King Saul was nuts. Amen. 15 to 17 years from the time that David was anointed king till the time he actually became king. Did David, did David give up? No. Did he remain standing? Yes. No matter what. Why? Because he knew if God anointed him, then it was sure that it was going to happen. And it was, he had two different times. He could have taken it into his own hands and killed King Saul two different times, but he refused. He was like, if God's anointed me, then when the time is right for me to take that position, then I will take that position. And in the meantime, I'm going to do what I'm supposed to be doing and only follow what God has told me to do. Amen. So this is what it means to have steadfast patience and endurance. Cooperate with the Spirit of God and wait well. 
Again, that doesn't mean sitting on your bum doing nothing. It means you are headed towards the promises of God by being obedient to what God has told you to do. Amen? Come on. It's good stuff right there. <laughs> that is good stuff right there. Number two, how you're going to not give up no matter what. Number one was steadfast patience endurance. Number two is mind your mouth. Mind your mouth. <laughs> Let me say it again. Mind your mouth. <laughs> Amen. Line your words up with God's promise. No matter what, you need to mind your mouth. If you're going to not give up, then you're going to have to mind your mouth. Romans chapter 4, verses 16 through 21. Therefore, inheriting the promise is the outcome of faith and depends entirely on faith in order that it might be given as an act of grace to make it stable and valid and guaranteed to all his descendants, not only to the devotees and adherents of the law, but also to those who share the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I've made you the father of many nations. He was appointed our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. The God who gives life to the dead and speaks of the non-existent things that he promised as if they already existed. For Abraham, human reason for hope being gone, hoped in faith that he should become the father of many nations as he had been promised. So numberless shall your descendants be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered the utter impotence of his own body, which was as good as dead because he was about a hundred years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's dead and womb. No unbelief or distrust made him waver or doubtingly question concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong and was empowered by faith as he gave praise and glory to God fully satisfied and assured that God was able and mighty to keep his word and to do what he had promised. So if God could keep his promise to Abraham, don't you think God will keep his promise to you? And if you're going to not give up no matter what, then you are going to have to mind your mouth and line your words up with God's promise. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 13. Yet we have the same spirit of faith as he had who wrote, I have believed and therefore have I spoken. We too believe and therefore what, therefore we speak. So what you speak, no matter what, is what you believe. <laughs> What you speak is what you believe. And if you're going to be standing and seeing the fulfillment of God's promises for your life, you're going to have to mind your mouth and you're going to have to line your words up with God's promise. You don't need to line your words up with your circumstances. Everybody with two good eyes can see what the circumstances say. Amen. And don't line your words up with your feelings. May, people may not be able to see your feelings, but if you don't express them, then the devil ain't got a right to use those feelings against you. And he won't use those as a stronghold against you. Mind your mouth and line your words up with God's promise, right? All of these things that I'm giving you right now are expressions of active faith that will help you know how to not give up no matter what. The number three thing, prepare yourself for the promise. Prepare yourself for the promise. So number one and how is steadfast patience endurance. Number two is mind your mouth. And number three, number three is prepare yourself for the promise. Romans 12, one and two. Excuse me. And so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God 
because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. You have to prepare yourself for your promise. Again, waiting season is not doing nothing season. Waiting season doesn't mean I'm sitting on my bum twiddling my thumbs. That is not how faith works. Faith without works is dead. Dead, dead, dead. D-E-A, dead. Amen. Come on now. Come on. You have to prepare yourself for the promise. Proverbs 16, 9. I love Proverbs 16. There are a few of the Proverbs that are my favorite. And Proverbs 16 is one of my favorites. Proverbs 16, 9. A man's mind plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps and makes them sure. Here's the thing about this passage here. You actually do need to make a plan. (laughs) A man's mind plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps and makes them sure. You need a plan. And as you work the plan, then the Lord will direct your steps. What do I mean by that? You need a plan. And as you stay obedient to God and follow your plan, if something in your plan is out of line, is out of line of God's will, He'll direct your steps elsewhere. But God cannot direct a parked car. God cannot direct a parked car. You got to put that thing in drive and you got to get moving. You need a plan and you need to work the plan. And as you work the plan, the Lord will direct your steps. You have to have faith that as you make a plan and work that plan, The Lord will direct your steps. Amen? Hallelujah. You got to prepare yourself for the promise. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. Do you not know that in a race all the runners compete, but only one receives the prize? So run your race that you may lay hold of the prize and make it yours. Now, every athlete who goes into training conducts himself temperately and restricts himself in all things. They do it to win a wreath that will soon wither, but we do it to receive a crown of eternal blessedness that cannot wither. Therefore, I do not run uncertainly without definite aim. I do not box like one beating the air and striking without an adversary, but like a boxer, I buffet my body and subdue it for fear that after proclaiming to others the gospel and things pertaining to it, I myself should become unfit, not stand the test, be unapproved and rejected as a counterfeit. You and I as born again believers are in a race and where you are now is part of that race. Or if it's actually not part because maybe you found yourself in a place outside the will of God, well, where you are right now is going to be the start of your race. If it's not part, it's your start. Come on. Where you are now is either a part of your race or it's the start of your race. But either way, you've got to run. And in order to run, you've got to train, meaning you have got to prepare yourself. Don't despise where you are now. Just make up your mind. You're not going to stay there and start running, start training. Amen. What does that look like, Amanda? Well, it looks like different things depending on what it is that God's called you to do. For instance, me, I am in ministry. And so I knew it was evident when God called me into ministry, one of the most important things that I needed to do is to spend a lot of time in the word of God and a lot of time in prayer. Amen. 
I needed to familiarize myself with the Lord more than I knew him. And the way I did that was by familiarizing myself with the word because Jesus is the word. Amen. I had to prepare myself to be an excellent teacher and an excellent preacher of the word of God because I knew that's what God had called me to do. And in that process, I had to build up my faith to trust that as I taught and preached his word, that God would confirm it. All of this didn't happen overnight. All of this didn't happen because God appointed me and anointed me to do it. All of this happened little by little, little by little. As I remained faithful to prepare myself and train and started to run my race. Sometimes the run was more like a turtle crawl, right? <laughs> but I was doing something. I was doing something. You have to prepare yourself for the promise. Prepare yourself for the promise. Where you are now is part of your race. And if it's not part, because again, like I said, you're out of the will of God, then it's the start of your race. But either way, you're going to have to run. And if you're going to run, then you've got to train. And again, hear me. Don't despise where you are. Just make up your mind. You're not going to stay there and start running. Train. Prepare yourself for the promise. So let's cover these last three points and how you're not going to give up no matter what. Amen. Number four, hang with people of faith who are actually running their races. Hang with people of faith who are actually running their races. Hebrews chapter 10 verses 23 through 25. So let us seize and hold fast and retain without wavering the hope we cherish and confess and our knowledge and our acknowledgement of it. For he who promised is reliable, sure, and faithful to his word. And let us consider and give attentive, continuous care to watching over one another, studying how we may stir up, stimulate, and incite to love and helpful deeds and noble activities, not forsaking or neglecting to assemble together as believers, as is the habit of some people, but admonishing, warning, urging, and encouraging one another, and all the more faithfully as you see the day approaching. You got to hang with people of faith who are actually running their races, people who have purpose, who recognize they're going somewhere in the Lord, that God has... Um, has rescued them and saved them for a divine eternal purpose. And so part of that is you should be a part of a church that is alive. And I'm not, I don't, I'm not trying to bring division or put parts of the body of Christ down, but the reality is not all churches are alive. They're known for their programs. They're known for their good works, but they're not God works. And they're not the power and the presence of God are not there. They're just religion but they deny the power of God. There's no real walking it out. A church that is alive, that's doing, that's about the great commission, about getting people saved and making disciples. So you need to hang and you need to be a part of a church that is alive. And then the other part of that is that your closest friends should be running their race of faith. You need to surround yourself with people of faith. Again, not just people that call themselves Christians. I'm telling you, a lot of Christians... They're just sitting back doing absolutely nothing. They're not doing anything. I'm not saying they're not going to make it to heaven. What I am saying is they ain't doing nothing. They just pulled up the easy chair and entered into retirement. There's no retirement in the body of Christ. Proverbs 13, 20 says, He who walks as a companion with wise men is wise, but he who associates with self-confident fools is a fool himself and shall smart for it. You've got to run with people that are like-minded, that are people of faith, that are running the race, that aren't just sitting back on their blessed assurance doing absolutely nothing. Proverbs 27, 17. Iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend to show rage or worthy purpose. So it's kind of like that other one. If you if you want to hang around with fool, then you're going to be a fool. If you hang around with people that aren't doing anything, then your life isn't going to amount to much. 
I'm not saying you're not going to make it to heaven. That's between you and God. What I am saying is that God gave you a divine purpose and you need to be walking in that and you need to be around people who can help you walk in that, that will encourage you because they're running their race also. Number five, this is so important. So, so, so important. Number five, by all means, hold on to your joy. (laughs) By all means, hold on to your joy. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. You have to hold on to your joy. Nehemiah 8.10 And be not grieved and depressed, for the joy of the Lord is your strength and stronghold. If the circumstances in your life can steal your joy, you will have no strength. Can I just say personally, I'm telling you what. The enemy almost stole God's divine destiny for my life because I gave him my joy, right? He can't take what you don't give him. He almost had me. But I'm telling you what, you by all means must hold on to your joy. Because if your circumstances in your life can steal your joy, you'll have no strength. And I see one of the greatest tactics of the enemy is depression. And so the final one here that I want to cover will help with holding on to your joy, I believe. And it goes back also to number four. So this is the how to not give up no matter what. One, steadfast patience and endurance, right? And we just talking about that with joy because it'll just, if you'll just count every opportunity of trouble as an opportunity for great joy, then it says, then that will produce the endurance that you need, amen? So one, steadfast patience and endurance. Number two, mind your mouth. Number three, prepare yourself for the promise. Number four, hang with people of faith who are actually running their races. Number five, by all means, hold on to your joy. And number six, get your mind off you and find something to do for others. Get your mind off you and find something to do for others. This is the key. Sometimes we become so inward focused and we we become so us focused, we can't see past the end of our noses. And this is why... We so often you know, just want to give up because all we're looking at is what we don't have, what we can't do, what doors aren't opening, what opportunities we don't have. Where if you'll take your mind off you and find something to do for others, now all of a sudden you're focused on what you do have, what you can do, what open doors are in front of you, and what opportunities you have. One of the reasons people are depressed is because all they think about themselves. But when you actively engage in doing good for others, you find you actually don't have time to focus on you and focus on what isn't happening in your life and what you can't do and what you don't have because you're focused on something productive. And that is what we read in Hebrews 10. Let's go back there. When I talked about hanging with people, faith, that's what's important about that and being part of a church that is alive. Hebrews 10, verse 24. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. We've got to think of ways to motivate one another to love and good works. This is why it's so important. If you're a part of a church that is active and alive, 
then there are going to be things for you to do. And if it doesn't seem like there's any opportunities there, it's nothing that really interests you. You might be surprised that maybe you're the one that can start something and talk to your pastor. Maybe there's an opportunity for ministry that you could start that will not only help you, but will help others in your church that are also looking for a way, right? Find a way to help those that are less fortunate to you or provide a service or a product that will help others. You might find, you, you might find a whole business <laughs> out of this. You might be surprised that if you'll get your mind off you and find something to do to, for others, that it might just lead you right into the middle of God's promise and purpose for your life. Amen. So this is so, so, so important and it will help you one, to maintain your joy and two, um, just keep you going when you feel like things aren't happening that you're, that you're believing for, when you feel like the doors aren't opening and the opportunities aren't there and you're not getting what you believe belongs to you or whatever, this will help you to not give up no matter what. Because remember, God chose you. Remember, your purpose matters and it matters for eternity. Remember, your yes matters. Yes, it's God's promise to you, but it's your yes that will make it manifest in your life. And remember, you are not a quitter. And finally, God is for you. Amen? Come on now. Hallelujah. 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 So no matter what, you can't give up. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you, Lord, that we are encouraged, challenged, and charged by your word today. Hallelujah. Bless you, Lord God. Thank you that as we've heard your word today, faith has increased in our lives. I ask, Father, that you would strengthen every person that listens to this podcast in their innermost being with might and strength of the Holy Ghost and remind them, Lord God, that you are able to do exceedingly abundantly far over and above anything that they can ask, imagine, dream, think, desire, or even pray. And you're going to do it according to your power that is at work within them. Thank you, Lord. Lord God, I believe today's word will help someone to not give up for another day, no matter what. In Jesus' name, amen.